The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I am your host, Jess, and I am joined today by Angel. Hi, Angel. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So Angel is going to share her story today. She had a pretty significant medical event occur in her life. And I'm actually going to have Angel start her story out with just prior to that incident. Tell us about the the pre-incident life that you were living. Well, um, I was working and I ended up having a stroke. And actually, I got diagnosed with a very rare illness called Moya Moya. And it is a disease that affects your arteries in the brain. And um, that was something, of course, nobody heard of. (laughs) I was just one of those people, few people that special me, um, (laughs) I ended up with this disease. So things afterwards, you know, was kind of trying for me. I'm used to working. And so that was certainly a life change for me. And I was not able to work after that. So... Again, very devastated for me. And um, I started working when I was 15 years old. And so, again, that was something I wasn't prepared for. Um, I ended up having brain bypass. And, again, just recently I had another brain bypass for the same illness. And so, again, this disease is something that they really don't have a cure for but it's important to get checked out. Make sure if you have migraines and headaches, you know, just you want to really be on the safe side and make sure you're following up with those kind of things if you suffer from migraines because it can reach any any family. Prior to the stroke, is that when you were diagnosed or after? Afterwards, yeah, right. I had the stroke and then that's when they found out what was going on. So... Give me an idea of what uh, you were working full time. Yes. And did you have kids at home? Well, all my kids were grown. My youngest, I think she was still in high school at the time. And so, yeah, I think me just really um, not able to do a lot of things I used, I was able to do. You know, I was definitely like a, able to multitask. I was affected on the right side of my body. And so I wasn't able to, you know, I had learned how to go to speech therapy, things like that. And so um, it was trying for me, you know, and I think the most difficult thing was me not being able to work. I was used to working. I used to tease um, my kids and say working was a vacation. (laughs) But all honesty, like I really loved my job. So that's one of the things I really miss was not not able to work. So I think that's when I realized, you know, I was just being at home, not able to do a lot. It was kind of difficult for me to even cook. I was not able to do the multitasking, you know, anymore. And so I think that's when I realized I was a little bit depressed. Do you have any memory of having the stroke? I do. I remember the first one, I was alone. And 
Actually, you know, I didn't think I was having a stroke. And it is really important to know the signs. I was just in my bed and I couldn't move. And I was alone, but I kind of remember just being stuck in a position and I kind of just fought through it and I was able to finally move. Again, I was so dedicated to my job. I got up, took a shower and I went to work. I felt my face drooping, you know, it felt like it was drooping. And my coworkers, they were saying I need to get checked out. And so I actually ended up getting seen. And I had an MRI right then and there. And so they had discovered I had a stroke. But yeah, me being dedicated again, (laughs) I was like, no, I have to get to work. I have to get to work, you know. Like I have a patient that's coming in at six. (laughs) If it hadn't been for your coworkers, you think you would have just... Kept working through it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely would have still made it all the way through the end of the day. And again, like not realizing I was having a stroke, but it wasn't for them. And you don't have to share specific details on like where you worked or what your position was, but it sounds like you did work in the medical field. Yes, I did. Uh huh. And you said my first stroke. Have you had more than one? I have, yeah. So the ne- the second one, I was actually in a car and it you know the funny thing about this one it was no warning warning signs i just actually lost my speech and i was talking to my friend and we were driving and i just couldn't talk started with the slurring and i was trying to fight through it like no i know it's not a repeat what's going on And so um, she knew what was going on and took me to the closest hospital. And so after that stroke, it led me having a second um, brain surgery. And that was maybe about six months after that, I had another bypass. And that was just this last June of this year. How long after the first stroke did you start to notice the depression? It took a while because, you know, I'm really a happy person. Sometimes I think for me, I mask things and words really hurt, too. I was kind of in an environment where it was kind of negative things going on. And I think I started kind of having that stuff around me and then it was dragging me down. And so I couldn't. It was no way for me to fight fight that off and so I just remember I started doing other things just probably some things that wasn't good for my health even though I was already in not the greatest health Are you self-medicating yeah yeah I I kind of like some some wine <laughs> you know things like that and that was my go-to and I started realizing probably need to go talk to somebody and that was my just knowing because I knew I had already fought through some other things you know and sometimes when you don't have support like I have great kids you know I have but sometimes you need extra help and so I sought help you know I called like my insurance company to ask can I get help for certain things and so they could they said I could and so I began reaching out was there a 
a point or or specific symptoms or things where you started to notice okay I I really do need to reach out yeah I it was (laughs) I I don't want to say I'm embarrassed to say this but yeah it it was some of my behaviors was I was doing that was not like me and then I didn't know how certain things I was doing and later on I was like how did how did that get there were you having sort of like lapses in memory? Yeah, something like that. And then I, I think I just got. Um, I'm, I'm very protective of, say, my, my kids, you know, or my grandkids. And I think something, a situation was going on, and I remember having something in um, my pocket or something. And I don't know. I don't remember why I put it there. And it was to do harm to somebody, and I couldn't remember why I did that. Like, I didn't do anything to a person, but it was for a reason because somebody was messing with my daughter. So I'm like, that's that's not me. Like, why, why am I doing that, you know? So that was another reason I felt like, okay, like, I don't want to end up in jail, so <laughs> what's going up up here? You, you need to get some help. So that kind of stuff was going on, too. So I was getting kind of confused on some things, and I'm like, okay, we need to get go get some help. <laughs> Something's not right up there. So what kind of help did you end up getting? It was some medication change. I learned how to do some breathing techniques. Am I not saying the word? Is it like mindfulness? Yeah, mindfulness, yeah. So that's what I was doing as well. How does it help you? Well, um, it helps with the me being able to quiet my mind, you know, and relax. So I do that quite a bit um, through the day. I just take some quiet, quiet time out for myself. So, and I listen to music as well. So I learn how to do like time management and take some, some like some peace, peaceful time out for me. You know, just not always be rush, rush, rush. If I get too, too busy, I have to just be mindful, like, to get that um, space available for me, um, and work on, you know, me being self-worthy and and powerful and do do things that make me happy. And I've heard before the the concept of grief as it relates to different losses, right? We, we all know grief when, when someone dies and grief with a divorce, but I can imagine you being so dedicated to work and working full time. And that was a big part of what you valued. Did you feel a sense of loss or a sense of grief when you had to step back from that and you weren't able to return to work? Absolutely. Yeah. It really, like I said, I was really um, devastated because you know what I think it was a trigger word for me because I think when I actually saw a letter saying like I was terminated <laughs> I think that's when it really struck me like you're those words and like I said like words are powerful so I think me saying that like okay like and it's it's it is put to me as though like 
you were saying that as though, okay, I'm terminated, like I'm, you're never to return. And then I had some other mail that came as, in as well, but it's though like I'm not able to do anything. So then you, for me, I'm trying to prove them wrong. No, I could still do something, you know, maybe not necessarily that, but I can do something. So then I was trying to do something. It might not be what I was was doing before, but I'm going to do something. That's what I was determined to do. Don't tell me I can't do that. You know, (laughs) who are you to tell me I can't do this? So then I had like a little attitude about it. And no, I can do this. You know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to show you. But yeah, and it's important, important to realize when we have those challenges like there is something we can still do and so I was just forcing myself to find something to do. So what does that look like for you now? Well I'm working on a book. And writing a book is no small feat. That is certainly of some work and just still getting up every day um through all my aches and pains. I know a lot of people look at me as though like, oh, not, nothing's wrong with her. I think if you could just see the inside of me, you might think differently, but I'm a survivor on a lot of things. This is just a little, little small thing of my story, but definitely if you can overcome a lot of challenges. You are a survivor, and as long as you keep pushing, you get the opportunity to wake up. That's that's a new, a brand new day, and you just keep pushing and keep moving those feet forward. You you you're in the race, one step at a time. Yeah. Were there certain things you had to? I, I know you mentioned speech therapy earlier. Were there certain things you had to relearn how to do? Yeah, mostly I think with my speech because um, I think like some of the words, you know, I wanted to be able to say I couldn't, and so they taught me how to just like replace the word with you know similar similar word. Was it that kind of? tip of the tongue phenomenon where you can like envision it but can't get it out no it's just it it was just you know I felt like I had like more of a better vocabulary and I couldn't you know portray that so say I'm talking with you and then I feel like I'm my words are more kindergarten words so that bothered me for a long time like I feel like I'm talking to an adult but Look how my my words are. So that that was some things I had to kind of get over. And then with op- occupational therapy, um, I still have trouble with my right hand because I'm right-handed. So a couple of my fingers I struggle with. And I was dropping things like all the time. So I try not to have glass in my hand because <laughs> it it is what it is with that. But, but other than that... Um, I'm walk, walking okay. It's struggle to walk like a long distance, but um, but yeah, it's you know it's been going well. This last um, operation in June, I had some complications with peas after the operation, but 
that was a doozy, but I'm here. <laughs> what helps to keep you going? Just me being able to wake up to see a new day. Not just a day, but a brand new day. It's a different day. And I think just the fact, you know, I can see my kids, my grandkids, and they do give me a lot of joy. And so just having the opportunity, just thanking God, first of all, just being being alive. So that's one thing I'm very grateful for. Well, and I like what you said, that this is just a, a small part of your story. It doesn't define who you are, but it is something you have been through. Yeah. So anyone that might be in a tough place right now, struggling with um, some sort of incident that they're they're coming on, out the other end, um, what would you say? What advice would you give? I would definitely let them know whatever that you might be facing. Just know your situation is just temporary. It's not nothing that's permanent. And as long as you're able to get up, there's always hope, but again, it's just a temporary situation you're going through. And I guess that, that would be something I would say. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for you guys having me. Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. Research and editing for this episode was done by the CPR podcast team, Tamara Lamontane, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, and Rob Wilson. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.